listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV 2 News podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. All right, in this episode of the Baby Your Baby podcast, we are talking about vaccines. And our expert joining us today is Rich Lakin. He's the immunization program manager at the Utah Department of Health. Rich, first of all, thanks for coming in. Thanks for joining thanks. us today to talk about thanks. a topic you know well. Um, I want to start with the origin of vaccines. They were created to prevent disease. Tell me about your research when it comes to this and what you know. Back in the, I mean, we can go before the 1960s. Um, but, you know, if you look back in history, clear back into the 1920s and 40s, um, you saw vaccine um, preventable diseases that affect children. Mm-hmm. And the reason we call them vaccine preventable diseases for children is because this is the population that affected. So think of back, um, even let's go to the 1960s when people used to line up for um, the polio vaccine. Um, and people would see people in iron lungs. They would see them with braces on, on their legs. And this is the 1960s. I mean, it seems like maybe a long time ago, but really it's not that, that far right. away. It's and not that far. It's no, not that long ago. No, no. <laughs> no. And, and so by the, time, by the time we got to the year 2000 with these vaccine-preventable diseases, we started, we started getting rid of measles. We started getting rid of mumps. We started getting rid of uh, rubella, tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis. All these diseases that affected these children back in the 1960s, and um, and now in like 2000, CDC had even said that you know it looks like that maybe we have got rid of measles in the United States, and this is 2000. Okay, again, not that long ago. No, so now we're only talking 19 years ago, right? And now all of a sudden we're starting to see these creep back in. So public health is its worst enemy in that we have done such a good job eliminating childhood diseases that um, all of a sudden we don't see these diseases anymore. And with the help of social media and just the quick information that we get, um, you can say that um, people thought that, oh, what well, they don't exist. Um, why am I getting vaccines anymore? And then we also have people that are against vaccines. And against vaccines go clear back to smallpox. Um, That's not a new trend. No. People have been against vaccines for a while. Yes, yes. So clear back even when in the very beginning of um, vaccination for smallpox, um, there were people against it, anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you think about it, one of the worst probably diseases that we have ever seen maybe in this country regarding vaccine preventable is smallpox. And we were able to eradicate that from the world. And... Um, but you know, anti-vaxxers around, so anti-vaxxers want to find every little reason why we shouldn't vaccinate. Um, you know, they may talk about the dangers of the vaccine. They may talk about uh, some of the chemicals that are in vaccine, um, and those those ingredients really are so small that you're exposed to them. You know, in food you eat, um, you know, medications you take. I mean, vaccines are so safe that you run more of a risk in a car accident, you run more of a risk eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or if you're allergic to peanuts, 
um, taking Tylenol, ibuprofen. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And but. Rich, I think we will. Let's. We do want to talk about those people that are against vaccines. Let's do that in a couple minutes because let's focus now on measles and how we are seeing a resurgence. You said it, it was almost all but gone, yeah. but now what are we seeing across the country? Yeah. So in 2000, again, um, CDC had said that um, we almost eradicated measles from the U.S. Mm -hmm. Now, not from the world, but at least from the U.S. And now we're seeing the resurgence of this. And there is a very close um, relationship to this. So as our exemptions have increased, those that don't want to, um, parents that don't want to vaccinate their children, as those increase, we see measles increase. And it, it, the correlation is, is spot on. Um, and we're seeing cases in Washington, uh, Disneyland is a prime example. Um, you think about everybody that's coming from all over the world to come to Disneyland. Now we're seeing cases in New York. So we're starting to see all these um, huge measles outbreaks. Because you got to remember that measles is one of the most contagious vaccine preventable diseases out there. Meaning if you, put, if you put 10 people in a room and none of them are vaccinated and one person has a case, the rest of the nine are gonna get it. So it's like a 90% contagious rate. This is what we see when there's a large number of people in a community that aren't vaccinated Correct. or choose not to vaccinate and someone is introduced with measles. Yeah. Talk about community or herd immunity. Okay. Uh, community immunity or herd immunity works um, differently for each disease, but we have to, we have to um, allow for a threshold. And that threshold we put at is that we'd like to see 95% of the the population vaccinated and really 95% relates to measles itself because it's so contagious. So if 95% of the population is vaccinated against um, measles, then that means that the rest of the people who can't receive the vaccine for like people that are immunocompromised, going through cancer, um, maybe some other conditions that they can't get the vaccine. Well, what about babies? And babies under under one, right? right. They can't receive it. Right. Yep. Um, so they don't even have a choice. They don't have a choice right. um, until one because of the, you know, that's mm -hmm. when they get vaccinated. So they, they run a risk. So if you get under the 95% population, then what that means is that um, the measles virus has to have a host. And that host is looking for some place to go. And if somebody's vaccinated, it stops because the measles, the measles virus goes into that body. They've been vaccinated the immune system's like, well, I've seen this measles, I've seen this, and they kill it. They don't even know it. Their body is just, their immune system has just responded and killed the measles virus, and it stops there. If you think about it, if that gets under 95%, even down to 90%, and let's say down to 80%, then there's more of a chance for that measles virus to find a host that is not vaccinated. And that just continues, continues and continues until it, get re it could reach somebody that is under the age of one or somebody that's immunocompromised or you know, or going through cancer that can't receive the vaccination. And that's really what we're seeing across the country that's right now. That's what we're seeing, that's exactly what is happening mm -hmm. right now. Okay, talk a little bit about how long people that are infected with measles can spread that disease for. So um, they, can spread the, they can spread the measles virus before they show any symptoms. Um, I believe it's four days. Um, and then they can also shed that measles virus four days after the rash um, has kind of like blistered over. Um, so four days, so here, here's, the, here's the key. Somebody doesn't even know that they have it four days before they have a rash outbreak. So that means they're, they're going to theaters, they're going to 
you know, plays, they're going to sports events. They're living their life, doing normal things, uh -huh. right. And, and in, order to st in order to stop the spread, it has to reach somebody who's vaccinated for it to stop. Because if it reaches people that's unvaccinated, they're gonna get it, and then the four days, and then they're gonna spread it to somebody, and then there's the four days. And they just keep, and then you can kind of see that's a domino effect. Now, talk a little bit about people who have been vaccinated can still get measles. Yeah. It's not a hundred percent, you know, right. pr that it will avoid it. But what does it do? Yeah. So, so everybody's everybody's uptake or response to the vaccine is different. So, for example, one person may get the vaccine and their immune response is amazing. And all of a sudden, they have they have 100%, 99% effective to measles. So if they get exposed, they don't even know it. Their immune system has responded to it and it has um, killed the virus before they show symptoms. Um, another person may have an uptake or a response to the vaccine of let's say 70% or maybe even 60%. The, the immune response is different for everybody. And so if somebody gets an immunizations and the immune response is 70%, that's the reason why that some people still get a vaccine preventable disease is because their immune response, everybody's immune response is different. And you can't build a vaccine that meets everybody's immune response 100%. Um, and so, so again, if somebody's uptake is 70% and they do get measles and they're like, well, I was vaccinated, well, they're not, their symptoms aren't gonna be as bad. They still have immune response, which is good, um, and they're not gonna be as sick, so they're not gonna be down as long. And the other thing to remember too is that um, these vaccines are stored in fridges and freezers depending on the vaccine. And we really, as a state health department, our job is to make sure that um, those that receive vaccine from us, that that vaccine is not um, compromised in the temperature. So if they leave it out on the table um, for too long and then they vaccinate somebody, um, it's it's not effective because it's it's killed the virus. Right. So there's also a cold chain thing that we have to to watch for. Yeah, also. you've got to follow really strict guidelines in terms of keeping that vaccine fresh yeah. and up to date. Yep. So we know that you know if a person's fully vaccinated, they can still get measles. They can still get some of these vaccine preventable diseases. It's just their symptoms are not as yeah. severe, which you've mm -hmm. just mentioned. Okay, talk a little bit about the flu vaccine. And what we've seen with the flu vaccine over the last couple of years, we hear, okay, this is gonna be this effective or ineffective. Talk about, what's your take on that? So the flu, the flu is its own, it's its own bug. Um, the reason you have to get the flu vaccine every year is because it um, has a DNA. And that DNA is gonna replicate every year and change. So what we do is we look at what's happening in the Southern Hemisphere for that year and um, we build the the flu vaccine off of what we're seeing because we're we're anticipating that that flu is going to spread up to the northern northern hemisphere which it always does and the southern hemisphere does the same thing so it's just kind of a back and forth thing mm -hmm. um, so we we get the flu vaccine um, people get the flu shot and and what it does is it's either going to be really effective one year or it's going to be somewhat effective one year it really depends because there's always a, a we call it a, either a shift or a drift with the flu. Um, 
if it shifts, then it becomes something like we saw in 2009 when we had that H1N1 mm -hmm. pandemic. Right. That was a shift in it, and so we didn't have the vaccine, and they had to hurry and ramp up and get a vaccine against it. If we see a drift, the drift, what happens is there just was a little change in the flu, the, the flu virus that's being spread, and the vaccine that was produced before um, is somewhat effective. Now, or it's, it's, or it's highly effective. The thing we need to remember is that even if you get the flu shot, it's gonna have some protection. So if you get the, the flu, influenza, then your chances of being down for four days um, is gonna be a lot less. And you gotta remember that influenza, if you really, you know, the, flu, the term yeah. flu, I got mm -hmm. the flu. Mm -hmm. If somebody had truly influenza and was diagnosed with it, they're in bed for four days. It is devastating and it's, it kills yeah. people. Yeah, their hair hurts, their big yep. toe hurts. I mean, everything hurts. You have a high fever, you have a cough, mm -hmm. um, and you really can't get out of bed and you're trying to keep fluids down, which can be difficult um, also. So the term flu is kind of used usely. Um, but, but it is, there really is influenza yes. virus that can be deadly. Yeah. And you got to remember, we see more deaths from flu than we see from vaccine preventable diseases by far. Mm -hmm. And that um, we, we just don't report on those as much. People don't follow those as much because um, there's so many people that have the choice to not get the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. But we see, we see tens and thousands of deaths each year in the United States from flu related Ill, um, deaths that are preventable. Yeah. Okay, before we wrap up, I do, we kind of, I said we get to this topic in a moment and I wanna get to it. The anti-vaxxers out there, why are people against vaccines? What What is going on? Um, so some of the some of the things I have heard is, one, it's, they, it's a pro-choice. Um, they want to be able to choose what goes into their child's body. Um, seems to be the biggest. Um, some of the others are like, um, some of the chemicals like you know aluminum or um, uh, mercury that's that's in uh, you know some of the vaccines. Well, again, those uh, they're so small that they're insignificant. And there's been so much research done on them that um, the reason those are in there is because it helps with the the with the immune response of of whatever vaccine they're giving out. Let's say Tdap or I'm not sure if there's aluminum or, or mercury in there, but those, those few chemicals do not impact the body's health. But the anti-vaxxers want to grab something that um, they can say, hey, these are, these are dangerous and we shouldn't have to vaccinate our children and we're running, you're running a higher risk of receiving the vaccine. The vaccine runs such a small risk and we're talking about, okay, so there's seven volumes in a Harry Potter series, mm -hmm. okay? Good, yeah, good analogy for our parents. Okay. Listening so, to this right now. So line them up mm -hmm. and you pick one word out of those seven books. So only one word out of all those seven books. And you know how books, thick the books are. And you know how mm -hmm. thick they are. That is your chance of running a, uh, a severe allergic reaction to a vaccine. It's that rare. That's that rare. Mm -hmm. So again, seven books and you pick one word out of all those seven books, that's the risk you're running. Mm -hmm as compared to if you get the disease. Um, for measles, it's one in every 10,000 that will die. Wow. So now I don't know how many words there are in one volume, but now let's, let's move all six books. Now you get to pick one word mm -hmm. out of the one book, and that's your risk of dying from a vaccine-preventable disease, of uh, measles.
yeah, your chances are significantly yeah. greater. Okay, Rich, thank you so much. Thank you for all the information on vaccines, vaccine-preventable diseases, and your insight. We appreciate it. This is Rich Lakin. He's the immunization program manager for the Utah Department of Health, and this is Baby Your Baby. Thanks for joining us for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic you would like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV 2 News podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.